0: The Choose Love movement offers no cost solutions that keep our kids safe, providing them with the skills and tools they need to flourish. Join us in our mission to create the world we want to live in, one that's connected and compassionate. Check us out at ChooseLoveMovement.org. Together, we can choose love. Welcome, everyone, to the Choose Love podcast. My name is Scarlett Lewis. I'm the founder of the Choose Love movement, and today we are going to talk about what's happened over the last 10 years. As we just observed the 10-year anniversary of the Sandy Hook tragedy that happened on December 14th, 2012, I'm now reflecting on 10 years of choosing love in my son's honor and focusing my life on our number one priority, which is our children and keeping them safe and advocating for their health and well-being. There is nothing more important. And thank you so much for joining today. These are just my thoughts (laughs) really off the top of my head. Uh, It is 10 years and anyone who has suffered a great loss will understand how, ah, that rolls off the tongue because in some ways it seems like it's been so long and in others it seems like just yesterday that my six-year-old son, Jesse McCord Lewis, was murdered in his first grade classroom alongside 19 of his classmates and six educators in what is still to this day the worst mass shooting in an elementary school in the history of the US. Of course, there have been hundreds of school shootings since then. And the best decision that I've ever made in my entire life, uh, aside from having my two sons, was to choose to thoughtfully respond to that tragedy, by becoming part of the solution, taking my part of the responsibility for what's going on in my community and in my world. And in that way, I was not a victim. And let me tell you something, I was determined not to be another victim. I had a 12 year old son at the time. And I realized that I was modeling for him in The moment, I mean, waiting at the firehouse as the kids were being evacuated and my son was there, Uh, we didn't even know what was going to happen, I realized. He's watching every move that I make, every expression, every gesticulation, even my energy that I'm putting off right now, obviously including my words. And I'm teaching him in the moment how to manage stress, anxiety, anxiety challenges, difficulty, roadblocks, pain, suffering, tragedy for the rest of his life. And that awareness really helped me rise to the occasion. I mean, I was the only single parent, aside from Jesse's dad, that, uh, that lost a child. And so I really dealt with this. I, I would say myself, but I had an incredible family that was actually coming, uh, while we waited from Boston, from Norwalk, just to be with me um, before they even knew that Jesse had been lost. And so I have a tight familial connection and incredible friends, uh, especially big shout out to my friends from high school that came, just stepped up to the plate when they heard about what I wanted to do and were there for me in every way. In fact, I can safely say the Choose Love Movement would not be a thing <laughs> if it wasn't for my friends from high school. Darien High School, giving them a big shout out. Thank you, thank you guys for loving and supporting me every single step of the way, it's incredible. And, and the Choose Love Movement has been able to do what it's done, uh, and I've been able to facilitate that because of the love and support of my family and friends it's really important to know and you know i i 10 years later i'm realizing that what our focus is is so important in fact it's more important now than ever with diseases of despair and when we use that term we're talking about suicides we're talking about homicides we're talking about substance abuse mental illness depression anxiety all of these diseases are at all times all time highs and so what we're doing isn't working and of course you know if you take this to 10 years ago no 6 year old should be shot in his first grade classroom, our kids should not be in fear for their lives in schools. And they are, I just had a short call with a fourth grade class who is doing a project on school safety. And they asked me what my idea was. And of course my idea is addressing the root cause of the suffering that leads to violence. Well, as well as substance abuse and a lot of mental illness by giving Kids, the essential life skills they need to manage pain, hurt, difficulty. Um, on the Department of Homeland Security's Pathway to Violence, it's called a grievance. <laughs> and the grievance stair steps up into an attack. And so much of our resources, time, energy, money, has been focused on the attack end. And I have been focused on the grievance end, providing kids the skills and tools they need to manage their hurt, to learn from it, grow through it, and be strengthened by it, instead of being taken down by it. And unfortunately, sometimes taking down those around you as well. There's actually a scientific term for this, and it's called post-traumatic growth, (laughs) where we are designed incredibly as human beings to actually grow through difficulty. And instead, all of our focus has been on PTSD. And yes, PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, is a problem for sure, but it impacts far fewer than those who actually experience post-traumatic growth. It's just absolutely been a fascinating journey for me over the past 10 years, every single day researching and reaching out, speaking to people about how we can be part of the solution. And that's actually led me also to work in prisons and with school shooters, because I ask them the question that no one else is asking them, unless uh, they are and I haven't heard about it. Nobody's talking about it, but that's how did we fail you? What could we have done for you? What essential needs could have been met? What life skills could have been taught to keep you from doing what you did? You know, my work in prisons has shown me that people don't know they even have a choice of love unless they're taught this. Uh, This leads me to that great quote by Nelson Mandela, People must learn how to hate. Babies aren't born hating. (laughs) This is me saying this. No one's born hating. No one's born a mass murderer. Hurt people hurt people. So nobody's born hating. People have to learn to hate. And if they can learn to hate, they can be taught to love. For love comes more naturally to the human heart than its opposite. And that is so beautiful. And that is so true. And we need to start doing that because we're seeing a lot of anger, hatred, resentment, grievances in our world every single day. You can look in the media. Of course, the media understands that our brains are attracted to negativity. That's our natural negative bias. It's there to keep us safe. Uh, but we're attracted to that. So over 90% of the headlines are negative anyway. You don't have to search too hard to find evidence of a murder. And and unfortunately, generally, it's a mass murder in the US or or someone speaking negatively about someone else. It's incredible that as adults, we've really forgotten, I think, that we're models for our younger generation. So you've got people in positions of power that are acting like bullies on the playground. It's really unfortunate. And it could be, by the way, that they don't have these character, social, emotional skills, tools, and awarenesses that I'm talking about that would help them control their state so that they can thoughtfully respond instead of impetuously react. It's so fascinating all that I've learned and even the neuroscience around how we deal with conflict in our lives. Our amygdala, our freeze, fight, or flight center is always online. Our brain's main objective is to keep us safe, so we focus on the negative now our 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 ancestors in caveman times focused on looking for a saber-toothed tiger and constantly scanning for danger right and so it was those that that could see a saber-toothed tiger first that ran that would live to pass down their genes we still have that we still scan for danger. we scan for danger but we scan for negativity as well. The majority of our thoughts are negative between 70 to 80% of our tens of thousands of thoughts that we have every single day are negative and over 95% are repetitive. And this is also uh, this this negative bias. And all we need to do is really know about it to be able to harness it and use it to benefit us. So that also means in conflict... Our amygdala, which is four times faster than our prefrontal cortex, is online immediately. Going through our memories in every situation, scanning for danger. (laughs) Have we been in this situation before? Yes, we have. High alert. Put your proverbial dukes up. This is what our brains do when somebody says something that's unkind to us or we get into a situation where uh, our brains perceive that we're in danger. Our amygdala is immediately online and the blood flow is cut off to our prefrontal, prefrontal cortex where logic and reasoning reside. So we're actually, if you're, you know, anxious and and you go through life that way, kind of perennially fearful, then you're constantly living in this state of freeze, fight, flight, or fawn, dealing with it in one way or another. And you're really not operating from your prefrontal cortex. I remember working with Dr. Chris Cook, who... Uh, is now at Longwood University on the neuroscience for the Choose Love movement. And this was nine years ago. And it just opened up a whole new world of awareness for me. And the realization that unless I'm running from danger, life-threatening danger to myself, I want to be grounded and thoughtfully responding from my prefrontal cortex where logic and reasoning reside. It's so important. And can you imagine a generation that understands this? Even businessmen and women that don't realize this and don't understand that they could control their state and have so much more control over every situation instead of reacting and literally victimizing yourself passing on your control to the person that you're in conflict with. It's just so interesting. And it all relates to being the best versions of ourselves and being able to keep our kids safe in school, by the way. So our kids are struggling. They are suffering. And it was so interesting to me 10 years ago when all of the blame went to Adam Lanza who was a recent former graduate of the Newtown School District, and his mom, who gave him access to the gun. And that, of course, they're 100% responsible. 100%, and should be held accountable. But I thought, wow, that's way too easy. Because if we shift all the blame to the shooters or the bad guys, then we don't take any responsibility for what's going on in our world ourselves, and we're not going to be able to fix it. And so we did. We blamed Adam Lanza and his mom, and then we went on. And now we've, 10 years later, the school shooting at Rob Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas happened. A carbon copy of the Sandy Hook tragedy. Ten years later, after 10 years of efforts by law enforcement, by politicians, supposedly, by all of these different interest groups, including my own. And we had a carbon copy. I remember being interviewed. I had just gotten out of a high school where 1,600 kids brought me there in New Hampshire to learn about the Choose Love movement. They wanted to understand these skills and tools. It was actually a student-led business that paid my fee. It was incredible. And I walk out and there's a news crew in the parking lot and they're like, what are your feelings about this? You must feel so hopeless. And I said, well, first of all, I am filled with hope when students are interested in proactive prevention and how they can learn these essential life skills that are going to benefit them for the rest of their lives. So I'm filled with hope. And then it was like, what do you want President Biden to say? President Biden was the president at the time of the Uvalde school shooting. And I said, I want him to say that our children are our priority and we're not going to do anything until our children are safe in schools. And of course he didn't say that. And All of our efforts that we've done to date haven't worked. And so I really do think doing the same thing over and over is, and expecting a different result is the definition of crazy. I believe with my whole heart that what we're doing at the Choose Love Movement is so vitally important. It's more important now than ever. We can actually reduce and prevent the suffering before it starts, And then when our kids are met with challenges and hurt, and they will be, we can give them the essential life skills they need to manage that pain and to actually learn from it, grow through it, and be strengthened by it instead of being taken down by it. It is possible. And I've seen it. We've transformed and saved lives. And that is so amazing. Someone said to me the other day, though, well, where's the money in that? And I said, money in that, what do you mean? And they said, well, (laughs) all these industries and all of these 501c3s that are getting millions and millions of dollars, where's the money in reducing and preventing the suffering before it happens? Because there's industries around addressing the problems, right, oh boy, once, once you're an addict, there's a whole industry out there to help you and I'm not knocking it but I'm just saying I know a dear friend of mine's son had an accidental overdose last year and he was in rehab three or four times he struggled for decades with his substance abuse and he got the best help possible the best help that money can buy and he still succumbed to the disease I'm talking about school safety even. There are all these people that are out there that are training and I'm not saying I'm saying it's great and I support that and I know we need to harden schools unfortunately. But the issues, the mental health issues that we're seeing at never before seen levels. Our kids are in the middle of a mental health crisis and yes, uh, no, we don't have enough to handle this crisis. Our hospitals aren't enough. We don't have enough doctors. We don't have enough healthcare workers to to manage this. But the industry's growing, and then here is this concept that we can actually reduce and prevent the suffering before it starts. Why wouldn't we? direct. I've been saying for the last 10 years, a quarter of our resources, that's time, energy, and money. Now I'm going to say half because what what we're seeing doesn't work. But of course, we are wired, as I was talking about before, to be reactive and to focus on the negative. And that's how we have addressed school shootings. We have focused on the attack end of that pathway to violence. If you can imagine a stair step up, starts with a grievance, ends in an attack. We have focused on the attack end. We've hardened schools. There's a whole industry around hardening schools. We have worked on the reunification process. We have ALICE training, that's active shooter training, in the schools. And unfortunately, we need to do that. But at the same time, and equally as important and often, more often than not, overlooked is this grievance end of the pathway to violence. Providing kids the skills and tools they need to manage their hurt and their pain and their grievance so that it doesn't escalate into an attack. I mean, that just makes so much common sense to me. And I'm gonna continue to promote this. I've been promoting it for 10 years. I've traveled all around the world multiple times speaking about the importance of this and I'm gonna continue to do it. There are courageous leaders out there that hear this message and know that I'm right and embrace it. I have to give a shout out to Governor Sununu. He, we, I, I so we have ambassadors in almost every state, and Shannon Desilets was one of the first people to respond to the Sandy Hook shooting as a trauma expert. And she came to the town, she provided trauma relief, and I was on her table. And so I started talking about what I wanted to do. I said, I want to develop a program, and I want to make it lifespan, and I want to teach kids essential life skills that could help them manage their pain, their loneliness, their disconnection, their isolation. Help them to be able to connect, to feel like they belong. Basically, help them to choose love. And she said, this is incredible. I have a son in high school, and and I, when you're ready, <laughs> let me know, and I'm going to bring you to New Hampshire, and I'm going to uh, try to get this into my son's school. So, true to her word, she did. But not only did she do that, she invited the governor, and Perry Plummer, who was the, uh, the, the man that Governor Sununu had tasked with developing a statewide school safety initiative. So they came to my talk, and they listened. And the outcome is incredible. Perry Plummer met me afterwards, and he said, this is going to become part of our statewide school safety initiative. We've worked a thousand hours on the report and we still had something that was missing. And this is it. Uh, incredibly courageous leader. Uh, we met with Governor Sununu and he said, this is incredible. This is so important. We have to address that grievance. And um, he hired my ambassador, who is now the director of the Choose Love movement working out of the governor's office in New Hampshire. And Shannon has done more than anyone else in the history of the world to help promote character, social, emotional development with not only within schools within her state, but in governmental agencies, in the department of safeties, with first responders, with bus drivers, within the university system, within the childcare system, within the prison system. I'm going to attend the second graduation of the Choose Love for Prison program. I mean, this is so incredible and it is continuing and it's growing. You know, this all started with a message that Jesse left on our kitchen chalkboard. When I came home after the tragedy, and it took me a couple of days because I had gone to my mom's house first, and I never thought I could walk back into this little farmhouse where I raised my two boys alone. See Jesse's coat hanging on the rack, which, by the way, it's still there, it always will be there. See his toothbrush by the sink his pjs thrown on the ground where he'd left them you know just he filled every room with his energy and vibrance and uh when i did finally go back to the house i had to get jesse's clothes to dress him in the casket i saw this message nurturing healing love he had written shortly shortly before he left for school three words phonetically spelled but not in the vernacular of a first-grader. Nurturing, healing, love. I was floored because that was the solution to the issues that we're experiencing. Nurturing, healing, love. That was it. If Adam Lanza, the school shooter of Sandy Hook, had been able to give and receive nurturing, healing, love, the tragedy would never have happened. It was Jesse that started the Choose Love movement. Jesse and his example of courage. Jesse stood up to the shooter that came into his first grade classroom. The shooter had blasted his way through the front doors and he had made a left down the first grade hallway. Now, he knew that it was the first grade hallway because he had attended Sandy Hook Elementary School and had been in first grade in those very classrooms. He made a left. The principal and guidance counselor were meeting with a parent in one of the rooms on the right. They came out to find out what the noise was, and he shot them dead. And then he made a left into Jesse's classroom. And he shot and killed his teacher. And his gun either ran out of bullets or jammed. We still don't know. And during the short delay, Jesse called to his friends to run And they said it was because he directed them that they ran. And he was able to save nine of his classmates' lives before losing his own. We feel like he didn't run because he wanted to stay and protect his teacher. That example of courage along with his big brother's example of courage. JT has his own incredible story of turning pain into purpose after the tragedy. He was 12 years old, and he created his own organization, newtownhelpsrwanda.org. And he had the courage to step outside of his pain to help others. And of course, we know that when we do that, we help and heal ourselves. Well, we didn't know it then, but he became my example of that, which was so amazing. And I've backed that up through science. And now that's one of the things that we teach in the Choose Love movement. It's so important because we can help and heal ourselves through helping and healing others. But through the example of my both of my boys' tremendous courage, it helped give me the courage that I needed to take that message of nurturing, healing, love, and to bring it out into the world and to spread it. And I knew that that was my purpose on earth. And this is what I've been doing every day, seven days a week since the tragedy. And it's the best decision that I made to be for something rather than fight against something. To be able to model for my son, what it looks like to choose love. And I do this every single day through an incredibly powerful formula that we teach in the Choose Love movement. And it starts with courage. Courage is like a muscle. We know this through science. We can practice it to strengthen it. And it takes so much courage every single day to put our best foot forward when we don't feel like it, to be kind when others aren't being kind to us, to do the right thing instead of what's easy. Uh, It is, obviously, you can tell that it's not just for kids. This is a human-centric program. It's incredible. Everything that we teach is universal. It's for all of us, and it can benefit the world. And courage is so important, and you need courage to practice the rest of the formula, the next character value, and it actually is a derivation a translation of Jesse's powerful for, uh, uh, chalkboard message that he left. Uh, nurturing. Nurturing means loving kindness and gratitude. Practicing gratitude. Having the courage to be grateful even when things aren't going your way. And we use gratitude as the great mind shifter because, you know, I talked about how we're wired to focus on the negative And we can only focus on one thought at a time. So you can only focus on a negative thought or a positive thought. So, when you're ready to move from negative to positive, you can you can use gratitude to do that. And then, uh, healing literally means forgiveness. And having the courage to choose to forgive, to choose to face the pain in your life and to take your personal power back, to cut the cord that attaches you to pain. Because we know, and I know through my work in prisons and working with school shooters, I've never met another human being that has intentionally tried to hurt someone, physically, mentally, or emotionally, even if they haven't tried, just hurt someone that isn't coming from a point of pain themselves. And with that understanding, we can get curious about what their point of pain is and why they did that. That can move us towards forgiving. Forgiveness is the most powerful thing I did for my personal healing, forgiving Adam Lanza. And actually, I felt compassion for him because if you looked at his life, he was neglected he was most likely abused, he was disconnected, he was isolated, he was bullied. He had so much pain throughout his life, and he didn't know how to handle it, and he did not have good connections. So he got to a point where he just decided he was going to take it out on others. He couldn't handle it. It was the only way he knew to get rid of his pain. And the amazing thing is, If he had some skills and tools, if he had been able to give and receive nurturing, healing, love, the tragedy would never have happened. So simple. But of course, simple isn't always easy. Forgiveness is huge. And forgiveness, by the way, there are decades of research and the number one benefit of forgiveness is healthy relationships. Harvard University's now 85 year grant study, the longest ever study on human life shows that healthy relationships is the key to happiness. You see how this all comes together? And then the last character value is love. Compassion in action. Having the courage like JT did to step outside of his own pain to help others. That's when we help and heal ourselves. Now, the whole Choose Love movement started at Jesse's funeral when I got up to speak. And I said to everyone, this whole tragedy started with an angry thought. And the amazing thing to me is that an angry thought can be changed. So I asked everyone that day, please start thinking about what you think about and change one angry thought into a positive thought. Now everyone went out to the four corners of the United States and they started calling me, emailing me and texting me saying that one simple act had completely changed their life and I knew that I was on to something. And that still stands today. We focus so much on our thoughts because our thoughts are what we have control over. When we lead with our thoughts in our cognitive triangle, our thoughts impact how we feel, which then impacts how we behave and how we show up in relationships. When we lead with loving thoughts, we are creating Our experience. We're able to choose our thoughtful response. It feels good, and that's reflected in how we show up in relationships. But when we lead with feeling bad, then we are in a reactive experience. We are not leading with our prefrontal cortex. We're leading with our freeze, fight, or flight, our fear center. That doesn't feel good. And that is reflected in our behavior. We can learn all of this and we can literally choose love and get our personal power back. Every single one of us, <laughs> it doesn't matter how old we are. We have something for you at the Choose Love Movement. And I invite you to become a part of the Choose Love Movement. Join, please um, take the Choose Love Uh, proclamation, sign it, and bring this into your schools, homes, and communities. Help us spread the message through social media. Reach out to us. See what you can do. Donate. There's so many ways to help us. You know, I started the Choose Love movement as a way to bring everyone together. We are stronger together. Fear weakens and divides us. Love connects us. And I saw the polarization going on after Sandy Hook. And I thought we need a movement where everyone can come together, regardless of your political affiliations or your beliefs. Everyone is the same in the want and need to love and be loved. And this is a place where we can all come together to be part of the solution. And we need to do that right now And we are at a tipping point where it is very important that we get intentional about this. Our kids need this. We need this. We are responsible for what goes on in our world. And we are the ones that are going to create the world that we want to live in. We cannot wait for our leadership, our politicians to make the positive changes that are needed. (laughs) By the way, if they could have, they would have. It is going to be up to us. Please join the movement to choose love and help me create the world that we want to live in as well as the world that we want to leave as our legacy for our children. Thank you so much. And here's to 10 years more of choosing love.